Are you an athlete tired of annoying injuries holding you back from peak performance? Then this podcast is for you. Here we share our expert opinion on hot topics of physical therapy, injury prevention, sports performance, and sometimes other random thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Ells. Welcome to the Charlotte Athlete Podcast. All right. We are here with Joey Ro- Joey Rosie. I was about to say the first time I've pronounced your name right, Rosie. Um, we're going to be talking pelvic health today, and uh, I'm going to have him introduce himself, tell him a little bit, you know, about him and how we got into the things. All right, you can go ahead and kick it off. Uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, thanks for having me on and um, really being able to speak to uh, your audience. So pelvic health, I got into it in like the most roundabout way possible. Um, it was never anything that was even remotely on my radar. I am, I was a competing powerlifter and I started treating a lot of powerlifters. I really was into the sports and uh, orthopedic realm and I got really good at it when I started you know my practice on my own and I started a cash practice I wanted to work with who I wanted to work with and I started working with powerlifters because that's what I loved and I kept seeing the same confounding theme with every single one of them and the confounding theme with all of them is none of them knew how to brace and I'm working now with some of the strongest you know men and women that you can imagine. I'm talking people that are lifting, squatting, deadlifting 600 plus pounds. And they're having, you know, uh, groin problems, knee problems, hip problems, back problems, everything from one way or another is stemming from them not knowing how to brace properly. Um, and that ultimately led me, I dove, I got like really good at it that I was dealing with people not being able to brace, which can lead to hernias, can lead to diastasis recti, and so on and so forth. But then that's how I got into pelvic health, because one thing you'll learn about pelvic health is pelvic health is nothing more, or bracing is a big component of pelvic health, or maybe a better way to say it is your pelvic floor plays a huge role in bracing. So I was finding all of these orthopedic injuries and clients I was working with were limited in bracing. And the more you study that, the more you help people, then you start realizing the pelvic floor plays such a big role. And it kind of just stemmed from there. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see a lot of powerlifters up here. And it's very true. The bracing is it's, it's a hard uh, skill to learn because it's not taught very well or ever. Um, and you just kind of get yeah. in there and just try to brace on whatever natural tendency comes. And yeah, that it definitely leads to a lot of compensation and a lot of you know, ortho injuries. Yeah. I mean, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just kind of go on it for a minute. Bracing. Uh, I'm with you. Nobody teaches it. Well, I think some people talk about components of it. Well, where they hit one or two components of it. But I remember when I was in school and, and when you're in normal, like physio school, they teach about bracing and it's all about the TA, right? Cause some study way back when found that people with back pain had a delayed firing of the TA. Um, and then you'd hear other people say, well, you need to do a Valsalva. And when you're in the gym, people are like, you know, pick, take a big, deep breath, fill up your belly. And all of those are points. But if you don't put them all together in the right order, you miss the boat. And that's one thing that you learn when you work with people is your abdominals are really weak in like unison or one at a time. And the whole point of your core is is the summation of all of the muscles contracting where you get one plus one plus one equals a thousand, not one plus one plus one equals three. And what I mean by that is just basically a hockey stick where rather than if let's say one muscle could produce 
these are made up numbers, but like 50% of, you know, fours, you know, if you summate them all together and there's a summation of them all, you're not going to be able to only have, you know, 100 or 150 uh, pounds of torque. You're going to have like a thousand. And that's really where true bracing comes in. And it, you will see yourself like fly beyond levels of control, especially in a, in a barbell that you had no idea that you could do. Dude, I can imagine because I mean, the legs and the hips, <clears throat> they're so powerful and so strong. I feel like the, the leaking of energy through that midsection is such a problem for so many. Uh, I feel like most people are probably limited by, let's say, hip pain, back pain, stuff like that, or like right around the midsection mm -hmm. before their, their legs ever become their limiting factor. Uh, that's definitely for, yeah, for me as well. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I'll tell people. Yeah, if you look at your core, your core is nothing more than to prevent an energy leak. And, and I like the exact words that you just said is you're just leaking energy. Because if you look at your right leg and your left arm, you know, you essentially know that you're just trying to crisscross those forces and they like to dissipate. And your whole point is to transfer a force from one end of your limb to the other. And if you're wasting energy within, then your output on the other end of the other limb is severely diminished. So if your whole point of the core is to transfer that as quickly as possible and or you have a, a weak link in there, then that's where you're going to get an energy leak. Yeah. And then that some other tissue is probably taking that force and uh a lot of times back pain is very the big one. I talked about this kind of, uh, you know, stacking and then how to like be efficient through there. But let's dive into a little bit of that. That How, how would you teach it? How do you teach the brace? Because I know it's different. I've, you've explained it to me before, but I really like how you do explain it. So how I wish <laughs> it took a long time for me to kind of see it this way. And I'll tell you actually how I figured this out, if anybody really cares, is I have a spondylolisthesis. So essentially a spondylolisthesis is when one of your vertebral segments are translating forward on the other, which is no bueno. I mean, we'll just leave it at that. Um, and I, I got it from being a competitive diver in high school and college, and I just was not really competing at the right way, and I just had constant back pain. Um, so I had a spondy, um, had constant pain, didn't really know what that I wasn't really supposed to have that. Um, I started to learn a little bit about bracing um, through school with like learning what your abdominals were and everything. And honestly, it was a whole lot of trial and error. So how I see bracing, because one thing you will understand is, let's talk about the components of the brace. So your brace is your pelvic floor. Think of it like your basement. Then you have your abdominals, all of them, 360. That's like your walls of a house, if you will. So you have the basement floor, the walls, and then the roof would be your diaphragm. So between those two segments, the very first thing you want to do is you want to get your, your diaphragm and your pelvic floor in unison. If you get them in unison, they should be in parallel. So think of it like an accordion. They should go up and down. So if you're like me, I have an anterior pelvic tilt. The first thing I need to do is get my pelvis in pelvic neutral. So I have to go in a little bit of a posterior pelvic tilt. Some people might have to go more into an anterior pelvic tilt. Regardless, step one is getting into pelvic neutral, um, neutral to your diaphragm. Step two, how I like to do it is I generally will cue people. Um, well, so the step two is now you want to bring up the basement floor. Okay. So that's where you do a Kegel and you're going to contract your pelvic floor and do a Kegel. And the easiest way to think about it is it should just come straight up, right? Then your abdominals. So the next round actually, and, and I know a lot of people don't, don't like to agree with this, but you should actually draw in your abdominals. Okay. Draw your TA in slightly. And what you're doing there is now you're creating the walls. 
Okay, so you have the, the basement floor, you have the walls, you're stacked like a house would be with the, um, like an accordion. And then the third step is breathing into the cinch. So by stacking those walls, you're creating the cinch and then you breathe into the cinch. By breathing in to the cinch, you're increasing your intra-abdominal pressure. Now, the key is you will know if you are increasing or, or if you lose the brace, if you see the belly move. If you see somebody's belly expand, they've lost the brace because the whole point of creating the cinch is to increase intra-abdominal pressure and not lose it. So think of it like a balloon. If you have a balloon and it's inside like a can, like let's say like pop can or soda can, and you blow it up, right? And it's going to stop at the walls of the can. And there's only so much volume that can be in there. If the can is warped and the balloon can expand beyond that, you're going to change how much pressure can be there. And so if the point is to increase pressure, so, you know, forces go through it, so you don't have an energy leak, you don't want to have um, uh, any expansion of the belly. And if you do, you know it's wrong. What you should feel is you should feel like your back, right? Especially your low back all the way to your mid back is going to feel like a metal rod. If you do it right, you are going to feel so stiff, so... Um, that you have so much control, you're going to feel solid and you're going to move weight extremely well with no matter what you're doing. So that's how you really like should do it. And that's how it should be done. And I find phenomenal success with it. Um, does that, does that, answer that answers your it very well. Yeah. I've talked about the core a lot because I think another, you know, we've, we've discussed this too. Another way to think about it is like through that core, you know, like thinking about hitting a baseball with a bat versus a pool, pool noodle, right? <clears throat> it's like right. being a transmit force. It's just so much more efficient. Uh, and yeah, mm -hmm. that metal rod feeling is just, oh, it's great. <laughs> it's a great feeling. I, it's, it's always tough when you're working with like lifters. Like, you know, when I work with power lifters that are, that people are like always, you know, the cue is, you know, big breath in or big belly. And then you see people like wear a insanely tight belt mm -hmm. and then you see them like just expand, like exploding around the yeah. belt and you're like, you've lost the, you lost the yeah. brace. And then that same person, if you see with a female, female, females have a higher tendency to leak and urinate to males. And the only reason is for that is men have prostates in the mm -hmm. way. If we didn't have the prostates, we would probably leak. We just have like essentially a second fail safe that basically stops it. We have a two kink system. Not think of it like that. That's oh. all. Yeah. That's a very useful uh, tool there. But so what happens to men instead is hernias. And that's why hernias are so prevalent. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was treating a lot. I've seen a lot of guys get hernias or um, sports hernias and just irritating their adductors, growing strains. Um, I mean, you name it. And that's what, that was the common thing. There's the leak. Yeah. The anterior side of that leak. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then <clears throat> you were seeing a lot of these guys, uh, you said sports hernias, um, mostly powerlifters were these, these guys. Yes. Okay. And then, so now what, your population that you have, uh, you have a general mix, right? So you're more, you have some powerlifters. You also have some guys that are trying to complete all 18 holes on the golf course. What is your mix now since then? <sighs> that's a good question. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually take a lot of like hard cases now. Mm. I actually get probably 40% of my caseload from actually other therapists that have like tried to work with somebody and I I get like harder stuff now, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, I do pelvic health, of course. You know, pelvic health can kind of break into, you know, two realms. Um, you know, if you're looking at older guys, usually it's like a prostatectomy, they're leaking or having, you know, bowel issues and such. Um, younger guys, it's usually pelvic pain, okay? Um, so I'll see that and, 
but yeah, that's that's the majority of what I'm seeing right now. I know we didn't mention this earlier, but pelvic health and uh, the Joe Joey's in the realm of men's pelvic health. We did not. I don't think we made that super, yes. super specific earlier, but it is male exclusive. So then with pelvic health and like when people because not it's not very commonly talked about. I think especially when we're talking about mm-hmm. men's pelvic health. There's this huge uh, fear about mentioning it out loud because then it's real, right? The Schrodinger's cat of uh, pelvic health pain or pelvic pain. Um, So when would you – like what would be a couple of signs and symptoms that you would kind of see as like a red flag to come get help, uh, to reach out, uh, or things that are like easily fixed now that may become worse later? You know, that's a great question. And I'll start with explaining what the pelvic floor is first and what it does because I feel like a lot of people miss out on that and that will kind of – give a clue into, you know, when or why you should see somebody. So the pelvic floor, the first role of it is essentially to keep your innards in, right? If you can imagine like, so everything just doesn't prolapse. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, it helps with your bowel, bladder, and sexual function. So if you find any issues with bowel, bladder, or sexual function, that's your key that you probably need to see a pelvic floor therapist. Um, I mean, it it really is that simple. I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, the stigma is a lot worse. And what's crazy is I actually had that stigma and to a point that I was like, all right, I, I need to just see what this is all about. And I did. And I had a buddy of mine that we're we're familiar with Dr. Mills who did uh, an internal exam on me. And what was crazy is the idea, first of all, the internal exam was 10 times worse than the actual exam. It was like when, when it happened, I was like, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I was worried about this. <laughs> yeah. Like it was absolutely insane. But the thing that I didn't realize or I didn't anticipate and one of the benefits was the ability to get to the obturator internus in such a way that you can't get to externally. And what I noticed immediately, and I mean like with seconds, is my ability to get into a deeper squat with greater ease without any hip impingement. I mean, instantly. And it was like, holy crap. I had been working on um, mobility work for an extended period of time. And I'm talking like years that I've kind of like battled it. He went in, did a little like internal exam. saw, hey, this is a little messed up. You want me to just kind of take care of this and kind of work on some of these trigger points and such? I'm like, yeah, might as well. I mean, you're already in here, (laughs) right? And I mean, this whole thing, like I might mind you, it took, you know, five minutes or so. Right. And I got out or sorry, we got done and I literally got into like a bottom of the squat, like just barefoot. And I'm like, holy crap, like this is insane. And, and it completely opened up my eyes to a whole new world. And of course, the first thing I'm thinking of, like every single lifter should <laughs> go and get an exam. I'm telling everybody <laughs> about Dr. Mills. Um, but needless to say that didn't, uh, happen that way. But from there, that was a segue. So I kind of, you know, kind of circle back to your earlier question. I started working with a lot of people with, um, you know, abdominal issues and, uh, bracing issues and such. And then I was like, all right, let me see what it's about. He did it for me and I was like, holy crap, I need to learn more about this so I can actually put one and two together. And then from there, really the, has, the rest is history. Wow. Um, and then right now, what, <clears throat> how much, how many people are you seeing in person? How many people are you seeing online? It's a great question. Right now, I'm seeing nobody in person because, as you know, I just had yeah. surgery like two months ago. <laughs> so I'm I've been um, anxiously at home trying to do as much as I can. Um, I do see quite a bit of people online from like a hybrid uh, standpoint. And honestly, how I came not to kind of change the subject, but 
What I found is for me personally, I was like, how do I help the person like me? And me as a person, you're never going to get me to come to a clinic in the middle of the day because I'm busy in the middle of the day. And if you want to help me and I needed to see a clinician, you better be ready at four or five o'clock in the morning because that's when I like to go to the gym. That's when I like to do my stuff, right? And I'm not really going to have that. So the next best bet from there is get consulting with somebody, see what they need to do. And then they can kind of send me like my program, my exercise, my workouts and all that. And then if I need to, every once in a while, I can make an appointment with you and I'll make it work. But I can't block off twice a week for eight weeks type thing. So that led me to kind of create like this hybrid program. And what's crazy is I started finding a whole lot of busy professionals as well that were having the exact same problem. And you would find people that would, you know, think physical therapy doesn't help because they go and they do one or two sessions and they're like, I'm not hundred percent better. And we know tissues don't heal that fast. And a lot of it really is just doing a little bit of boring work over and over. And at the end of the day, you're doing 80% of the work. And as an expert and a clinician, our role is to disseminate that information for you to you so you can go and do the work. And then we're here to fill in the gaps. Now, with all that being said, I spend probably 40% of my week now doing that and 40%, I guess, in person. And then the rest, I, I do a lot of back-end stuff now. Because gotcha. um, as you grow, you just have to do more of that. <laughs> yeah, true. Having your own business does have a lot of uh, back-end stuff. <laughs> yes. Nobody prepares you for no, that. I can imagine, imagine not. We never talked about it in PT school that much. Well, we, you know, we did the whole blueprint of things, but they don't tell sure. you what it's really like. Um, <clears throat> right on. So if, if someone out here is listening to this and they're like, okay, I need to get something seen or looked at or con consulted. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? That's a great question. Um, I'm at, I'm one of those people that everybody has my number and they just like text me. And that's probably the best. Um, I don't, I don't do emails a lot. I think that's like a, I don't want to say a boomer <laughs> thing, but I think it's a boomer <laughs> thing. Um, the best way is to like, to just text our, our line. Um, we have a business line and I mean, it goes straight to my phone. I just, we treat it, you know, like, the number one priority. So our, our line is just 813-560-0635. Um, but you can call or text that number. That's the easiest way to get in touch. And then we kind of figure out, you know, what's the easiest way uh, to see if we can help you out. Sweet. And I'll put that in the show notes as well to make sure uh, if anyone needs uh, any kind of advice with pelvic health, uh, pelvic pain, uh, want to get better at bracing. I mean, that's a huge part of, I mean, it can't be stressed enough how important that is part of powerlifting and lifting in general. Right on. Well, thank you for coming on, man. It's been great just talking about these subjects. It would be awesome at some other point getting into more depth because there's so many things to unpack there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, thank you, Joey. And uh, we will catch you next time. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me on.